0: Welcome to Sexy Talk. I'm Jess.
1: And I'm Bree.
0: And welcome to our first episode.
1: Yeah, we actually tried to record a different first episode, but that didn't really go as planned.
0: It was good. It was good content, but, you know, it was first episode vibes. We yeah, just didn't try- really know what we were doing.
1: Trial and error, it yeah. happens. I mean, but that's dating life as well, so yeah, it, it's relevant. Yeah,
0: maybe we'll release it in the future. There's some, there's some juicy fun details in there.
1: Oh, totally. And, you know, we're not using the word juicy lightly. No. (laughs) a little sneak peek
2: Um,
0: so
1: I guess we should just catch up and see how we've been Um, yeah
0: I know so I've been seeing the same guy for a little while now and we went on a date today. It was nice. Um, we're kind of at the point in our relationship almost. I don't even... Us, a relation- oh my God. Did you just call, I say, say you're in a relationship with this person? I say relationship lightly. <laughs> um, it's not a relationship. You know, we created that boundary like right when we started dating, hooking up. And I was very much like, I cannot have a relationship right now. It's not my thing. It's not my vibe. Not what I'm going for. I want to be able to feel free. But I also want to be able to, like, you know, hang out and smoke some weed and chill and vibe. Also, you and like him. Go on adventures. Yeah, I want basically everything but the relationship. <laughs> I don't want the commitment. No thanks. But, yeah, we hung out. We're kind of at this point where our hangouts are just kind of getting a little bit redundant. Not redundant, but they're, you know, they're getting, like, a little lazy. It, like, there's not much adventure anymore.
1: Oh my god, didn't you guys, like, go to three separate places today? What are you talking
0: about? I mean, yeah, we went a bunch of places, but, like, I guess that ex- it's the excitement that's gone, you know? But
1: that's, that's, I mean, completely normal once you've been seeing someone a lot. There's nothing like that for date state rush, you know? Like, the yeah. nerves and everything. You're, like, really comfortable around this person. They've seen you naked multiple times. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank god. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're at that point where... The excitement's not there. And honestly, like, uh, you know, I i mean, I'm enjoying it, but I'm also trying to, like, not rock the boat. <laughs> I get that. That's really difficult. Um, because you always want to be very clear with the person that you're seeing, whether or not,
1: like, you just, like, communicate your boundaries and... I think that sometimes when you try not to rock the boat and then try to set these boundaries a certain way, it ends up backfiring in your face. But that's me being biased because I'm salty today. Right. (laughs) But anyways, yeah,
0: we we went around to, we got some smoothies and then we came back here and, you know, like... Our first few dates were very adventurous, and, like, I mean, I guess there's like so much adventure you can do before, like, you start to calm down a little bit, and you exit that excitement, but, I don't know, I kind of want to feel excited, like, all the time,
1: you know? Yeah.
0: So, I, I think
1: you should communicate that with him, honestly. I know it's a weird thing I mean, to communicate, true. but, like... How is he supposed to know that you're feeling that way? I know. I mean he could be feeling the one same way. One thing we've realized about boys is they are not mind readers. But neither mm. are we, so That's true. Yeah.
0: But that's been good. There's no one else on the on the docket right now for my hookups. I was actually supposed to have a sleepover with some rando farmer boy to like uh, this past. Uh, I do weekend. not like him. I know you don't. He's like He's hipster so from uh, hipster.
1: He like it looked like someone vomited hipster all over him. <laughs> Damn. I'm so sorry. Wow. I walked in, saw those like flame Converse, and.
0: Damn, you remember those.
1: Yeah, it. I, I his outfit <laughs> pissed me off. Dude, like, it's, uh, his pants were way farther up his ass than mine are. Oh, yeah.
0: Dude, I know.
1: Like, I just can't. I just can't. And he'll. He refuses to, like, he's using cassettes. Oh, I know. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. cassettes. And, <laughs> like, we have Spotify. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to get an ox cord.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did pull out, like, a big old binder of cassettes. Yeah, and you can't even say the
1: quality is better on cassettes. It's shitty. Mm-hmm. It's definitely all aesthetic, and I just, I'm, I don't vibe with that.
0: No. I mean, I like the fact that he's a farmer, and, like, I'm, I'm down for, like, a sex-filled weekend. But, again, like, I've only met this guy once, and to think that I would have him sleep over... My house, and, I mean, he wanted to bring me produce and, like, have a sleepover. Uh-huh. Oh, bring me produce. <laughs> bring
1: me produce for his farm. You know, <laughs> bring me flowers. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's way better. Flowers just die, so. Yeah, exactly. It's a but a representation of lots of relationships. Yeah. Gosh, guys, I am just pessimistic today. Yeah, let's,
0: let's switch on the baton, because not, nothing happened it. with that guy, so let's move on. I know.
1: <laughs> I know I'm just being an asshole, cause... It's okay, guys. I was like crying like 30 minutes ago. Um, so, like, I don't know. I, I I would it would I call it my dating life if it's just full of breakups? That's still part of it. <laughs> um, so my partner, or I guess ex partner, still getting used to that. Uh, three and a half years. We ended things, um, two and a half weeks ago. Uh, so that kind of was shitty i mean it was mutual it was good it was what was needed i'll go into like more about my relationship probably in a future episode but it just it it didn't end well but i mean it, God, it no it ended well just i'm just sad still obviously you're with a person for that long you can't help but kind of miss them um but we were in an open relationship before it ended and uh, I was seeing this guy also for like seven months. He was pretty cool, but that also ended like thirty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: um, it must have been really difficult. Just like I don't know, just like coming to that realization of like you just can't.
1: Yeah, we just didn't. Have, we just didn't have time for one another that much, and like I mean, that was kind of my doing. I set really s- solid boundaries when we first started dating I told him I would never sleep over at his house because that's a way to catch feelings and after seven months I mean you do kind of catch some feelings I wasn't like in love with him or anything um definitely still wouldn't have dated him so I can't be selfish that way he was moving um and I just wasn't ready I literally just got out of long-term relationship but um it, just, it didn't make sense, and I guess I was trying to protect myself by just ending things early rather than it just dwindling from us not seeing each other because we're both really busy before he moves. I think it just, like, is a pile-on, but... Yeah,
0: it just... Yeah, I mean, one, one hard thing on top of another really hard thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I'm just now needing to, like, be in a relationship with myself. That does not mean I will not, like be having sex. I definitely need to get laid, honestly. Like this is <laughs> it's part of your health. <laughs> I need stress. I need my stress to be relieved. Um and I need to move on. Yeah. And you know there's healthy ways to do that. I'm not the an expert on like what we should be doing to move on, but I know what works for me and distractions help me a lot because if not, I'll just sit there and be sad um and we've been we've been actually doing a really good job we had like a really fun past few days jess and i Mm -hmm. like um we're both vaccinated and we've been going to vaxxed parties (laughs) they're not really labeled as that but everyone there Mm -hmm. is vaccinated so it works um it feels really good to be around people again i remember i was talking to someone last night at the party about how like it was just cool to meet new people as a single Mm -hmm. individual person because that was part of the reason my relationship ended is I lost my sense of individuality. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really cool, and I, I'm excited for what the future has in store. I'm just a little raw right now, so if you hear me being a little <laughs> bitchy through <laughs> this episode, it's 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 good. I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. So we're we're good.
0: It's all temporary.
1: It's all temporary. I mean, yeah. I'm just. I have here Jess here, you know, helping me at every turn. (laughs) I should even ask me. She's like, "Have you been communicating with um, your ex? Would I be disappointed?" (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's hard to stop
0: communicating with the people that you care about so much. I've been thinking about recommunicating with um with my ex for honestly, like. I think that you telling me about your ex has kind of reopened a lot of my old wounds in uh, in a way. I mean, it's okay. (laughs) Like It's better to feel it and be able to move past it than to not feel and then have it all hit you at a certain point. But yeah, I've totally wanted to reach out. It's really difficult to not do that. It's just such a normal part of your life to constantly feel like you have someone by your side that you can talk to all the time. And then to turn that off, it's, like, nearly impossible.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to find that trust in someone else, especially because it took a long time to get to that point with your partner, probably. Mm -hmm. I know that's how it was for me. Mm -hmm. But it's okay, guys. Masturbation is key.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you said, (laughs) we're dating ourselves, so... Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I'm (laughs) not going to lie, Jess. You know, when you came in today with um, your (laughs) your date, and I, like, got up, and slammed the door. I like lied and told her I was putting on a different shirt, but I was totally masturbating. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's. A, I. I hope not.
0: <laughs> I mean, you were. You did come out in the same shirt that you were wearing earlier in the day. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: weird. I like ran, dude. I ran and slammed that door as soon as I heard you guys open. I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> um, vibe killer. I'm sorry. No, I mean I was done. Like, okay. Oh, it was this good timing. Great. It's just I was I it, I it was just a little like I don't want to be caught masturbating by my roommate and her date. Yeah. Um, they just I wouldn't want to either. Got back from thrift shopping, so like they don't need this right now. <laughs> I just you know stressing out. I was all alone. I was like, and when you're sad, why not come? <laughs>
0: It helps. That's true. Yeah. Well, cheers to that. That true, was great. Yeah, I know. Cheers to that.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: Remedy eh, to sadness.
1: Anyway. <laughs>
0: Anyways, yeah, we have a great episode coming up today. Um, Brie has this amazing friend who happens to be a sexologist. Um, you want to say if you things?
1: Yeah, we're going to be talking about many things today. We're going to get into ethical porn Finding our mm-hmm. sexual identity, mm-hmm. um, my experience with one of her programs, mm-hmm. also play parties because why not? You yeah. Know? Oh I, I need to get into that, honestly. I've been wanting to.
0: We both need to get into some play parties. and
1: <laughs> It's just going to be Jess and I like looking at each other across the room, giving her ah! high fives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Dude, this is how it starts. We're going to watch porn together for one episode and now play parties. Fuck. We're getting <laughs> way too close. <laughs> it's all fun and games. <laughs> it's all fun and games until we're both <laughs> walking out of rooms with leather strap-ons. Or no. <laughs> I don't know okay, where this is okay. going. back to the. A, I I don't even know if a leather strap-on is a thing because it is like it's the part that straps on to you leather, but the still don't. Okay. Anyway, um, yes, we're gonna get in get into those topics. And um, my friend Aisha, she's incredible. I'm really excited to get into this conversation with her um i'm really excited for you guys to hear this i've learned a lot through her i've gotten to know myself um a lot through her programs um and i'll be sharing some i guess not they, they were shameful at one point but not shameful anymore mm-hmm. stories throughout um the podcast we're gonna take a quick break but um we'll be back with aisha see you soon <laughs> or hear us soon you can't really you're see us, us but but it's fine. It's- we 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 know that you're there hopefully, you know, mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you soon. Bye. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, and welcome back to Sexy Talk with Brie and Jess. We got a special guest in the house today.
1: Yeah, I want to introduce my dear friend, Aisha Smuddy Hussein. She is an author, sexologist, activist, and event producer. And we are so lucky to
2: have you here. <laughs> yes, hi. welcome.
1: Hi, hi, hi,
2: I'm so happy to be here. Yeah.
1: Um. So today we're going to talk about like a few different things. Um, I guess I should start off with how I met you. Um, I actually met Aisha at Burning Man. She was hosting an ethical porn screening. And for those who don't know, can you define ethical porn for us?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So ethical porn or responsible porn has kind of become a troubling uh, way to define it in the industry. So a lot of times now I'll refer to it as indie porn. Um, But the the concept around ethical means that it's made in an ethical way. So Mm -hmm. the same as we think about sustainable fashion or sustainable food, that all throughout the process of it being made, people are being paid fairly. There's a lot of um, consent talks and contractual work that goes throughout the process of people becoming actors or even people who are on set. There are um, a lot of ways that people do... like talking about what's going to happen in the scenes, so from start to finish it is made with a lot of consciousness and ethical ways of people bringing about the production yeah and then on the flip side what ends up happening when someone's watching porn that's made that way is because the actors are comfortable because the people who are involved are comfortable the everything that's been put into it has so much thought behind it that on the other side as a viewer You don't get some of those really icky feelings that you get when you're watching some porn. That like, like, oh, someone looks uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, those kinds of things. So um, on the other side, I I tend to call it like guilt-free or feel-good porn because the way it makes you feel is that there's two people connecting on screen, no matter what's happening. Now it doesn't mean uh, you know it's all soft and flowery. There, I'm team throat bucking all day, so I have that (laughs) like when I have my events rough sex and bdsm is all part of it but you know that consent and thoughtfulness has been put through the entire process which
1: honestly made a huge difference for me i didn't even know that the like because i i had experienced those icky feelings as well but i didn't know that i was watching porn that like could possibly not be made like with the star's like best interests at mind and that they were safe and okay and then like once i had that kind of realization I was like wow it really changes your perspective and um yeah it was just it was a it was a great experience it was like kind of my first introduction to like that kind of world as well um so yeah thank you for that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and you you just do so much like you you like put like wear so many hats Mm -hmm. um yeah um, can you tell us about all the
0: hats that you're wearing and what you do with your career and how that integrates into your like everyday life and you know your interactions with people and whatnot
2: yeah. I mean, I think to to do a shout out to women in general, women tend to wear many hats. We're really creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of things that we put out into the world. And when you care deeply about something, that ends up manifesting in different ways. And so the thing that I care really deeply about that sexual awakenings create harmony. Mm-hmm. And so this is my way of creating more peace and authenticity and understanding in the world is to go about helping people have sexual awakenings and so that will take different manifestations and different forms depending on who i'm doing that for so um you know if i'm trying to reach a really mass audience writing is one of the ways that gets to a lot of people and you can have a sexual awakening from reading a piece of work and having someone's story told to you we We're innately storytellers. That's how we learn things. It's how we understand each other.
1: Information was
2: passed down. Of course, of Mm -hmm. course. So it has a really long lineage, and it's actually how our brain functions. Um, Even with data, you know, people think that you're looking at numbers, but we use the numbers to tell a story. And so it's really important. So, writing is one of those things. Um, I also love gathering hundreds of people, strangers, complete strangers, into rooms and having them do a very vulnerable thing, like watch porn, which people. so We passed around a huge, like, l- like a
1: ridiculously large bag of popcorn. During <laughs> oh my gosh. It was like bigger than me. Not even kidding. Like I'm
2: pretty <laughs> sure I could fit in that bag. <laughs> um, and and be able to watch a thing that people typically experience individually Mm -hmm. um and do that in a room full of people and have all of the taboo and the shame taken away and that creates sexual awakenings Mm -hmm. for people they understand it in a different way
0: it takes Um, down a lot of the barriers because that's so taboo like not even in like relationships with just your partner mm -hmm. or whoever like you're probably not watching porn that often together. It's very like different, especially
1: because especially people have like different things, and that kind of manifests uh-huh. in the porn they watch, things that they aren't fully comfortable. And I think like what you said, giving them that space, it creates a kind of a sense of safety and security mm-hmm. in what they're doing,
2: in that they don't feel shame around it and normalizing it, which mm-hmm. is really
1: great. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely, and that's really at the core of what I'm trying to do. I think that a lot of the disconnect in this world comes from people feeling unsafe, and when they don't feel safe, it's really hard to make a connection that's pure, that is of Mm -hmm. our true sense of self. And so that's what these containers are for, so people can awaken to themselves and awaken to other people so that they can connect. Because when we're connected, we feel like we belong. And then it's easier and and more fulfilling to find our purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that creates harmony. Because then people are really being of their true selves. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another way that that manifests is I work one-on-one with people in in coaching and client uh, facilitation. Because some people feel safest one-on-one with another person. Mm -hmm. So I have all of these different ways that people can actually have a safe container to connect And with writing, that's one person reading one-on-one with themselves. Some people find that to be safe. Some people working one-on-one with me find it to be safe. And some people, it's 250 other people in a room being able to share the same experience. That makes them feel safe. So...
1: I think it's really important to have that.
2: Thank you for doing this work.
1: <laughs> Honestly, um, I mean, I took away a lot from your programs.
2: Um, yeah, the, the coaching programs that I do, I do one coaching program called Love Lulu, which is what Brie is referring to. Um, that is meant to really foster a sense of community. So people come in to that community because they, they don't have a community in, in their lives that they can be open and talk about all of these things with, and it's very sensitive and it's very nuanced. And so, having a person who's leading that that says, "Okay, we're intentionally creating this space with safety, yeah, so that you can talk about these I things." Mean, it
1: really worked. I like a. Um, I just want to share a quick story of like one of the breakthroughs I had with you. It's like I remember one of the exercises. It was you. You asked the question, "Do you have a lot of alone time as a child?" um did you like were your parents too busy to play and things like that and i started thinking back on it and it was like when my parents were both working and i remember where i played and oh and you were talking about how how does that relate to your like sexuality and i remember i was playing um like pretend and like we would always play like house or like jobs or teacher and <laughs> oh my god this is <laughs> embarrassing but so you know like in the early 2000s like our like Couches had the huge arms at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be my motorcycle to work. I would ride my motorcycle to work. And one day I was riding my motorcycle to work and the ride spelt a little too good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And that was like the first time I actually remember having like clitoral stimulation Mm -hmm. was being like five, six years old riding this like arm of this couch, like pretty much dry humping it, pretending it's my motorcycle. And then being like, oh, what is this feeling? <laughs> and i do like, and that actually does play into my sexuality and that alone time that I had to play as a child. And it was just so interesting to see it connect and not really have that thought process before, but then have it laid out in front of me and see how everything's so interconnected and really does affect you later on in life. And it, it, it was just a crazy breakthrough. Definitely recommend the program. Guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it created that safe space to be able to... Because that's something that I would probably talk about in a more, like, shameful way before because I'm, like, a child and I'm experiencing, like, this sensation. Also, I didn't know what I was experiencing. And when I did it a few more times because it felt good, my mom saw me one time and she was like, like, Brianna, what are you doing? And I was like, I I don't know. And I associated the feeling because I'm pretty sure I had walked in on my parents having sex, like... My mom was on top, and so it reminded me of that. And I was like, I associated it with marriage. And I told her, I was like, it makes me feel like I want to get married. And she was like, Mm -hmm. and she was like, no, Brianna, don't do that. That is not for children. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. And I remember feeling so ashamed and so bad. And it's just like, yeah. yeah. So it it gave me that safe space to be able to connect that and finally um, kind of have some closure for that moment to where I shared that with. My mom not knowing that it was wrong, mm-hmm. and then being told it was wrong to having it shared in a group of people where it's seen in a positive light.
0: Wow! What an identification of emotion. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> wow! It's a, it was a lot to unpack, and that was just like what three days in. <laughs> <laughs> wow!
0: Yeah, that would you have ever thought about that in that way? Had you no. really, like not been doing this program?
1: Well, I remembered that that was like the first time I felt that feeling Mm -hmm. and I remember what it was like when my mom got really mad at me for it and the feeling of embarrassment but I never thought about the alone time that I got that allowed me to get to that point the playing by myself the Mm. association of the shame around it um yeah so I I knew I I I knew it, uh, that it was a defining moment in my life for me, but I didn't really understand why or how I got there. Mm-hmm. And the, I feel like the program really kind of rounded out rounded out the idea of, like,
2: how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, we have a lot of things from childhood that really play into the core of our identity, so much of what our identity is. And, and that's what the Love Lulu program is, is understanding that sexual identity has a lot to do with the full identity, the full holistic identity of who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, I really navigate from the premise that sex is creation. Um, Navigating from the idea that our sacral energy is the thing that creates everything in this world. If you want to get very bare bones about us being animals, when you procreate, that's the space that it comes from. But even this conversation, all of the things that we create, art, anything that we are doing is creation and it comes from that sacral place. So when you're having foundations of shame laid, then you take that into your sacral energy, and that ends up being part of what you create into this world. And especially when you're you're kind of drawing the conclusion, the story around alone time and that being part of your play. And then being shamed in your alone time, then it makes you feel shameful for the rest of your life, playing by yourself and finding pleasure by yourself and it not being connected to another person and or another partner or, you know, finding that that's the only way that you can do that. 100%. And I definitely had a lot of shame around masturbation for a while. And like, I...
1: You know that that moment where girls take a second to look at their vaginas in the mirror. Like it took me forever to get there because the one time I did it, I felt really wrong about it. I was yeah. like, "Oh sh- shit, I'm not supposed
2: to be doing this." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would be remiss not to mention that we have to use vulva because we got to use the right terminology. Oh, yes. So that the front facing <laughs> that you would see would be vulva well, if you're looking in you the mirror. See, like- I mean, you got to really get in there if you're going to look up the vaginal hole to see the vagina. But, like, you can see the hole. You can see the hole is what I'm saying. But that's your vulva. Oh, okay. Yeah, the whole anything Ooh. that is front facing that you can so see much. is is your vulva. Yeah, so I we always have the to vagina is inside. The, the vagina is the canal. It's wow. it's the hole on the inside. So <laughs> anatomy. <if> that, <laughs> so that, so yeah, it's that's definitely a really important part. But that's part of the shame that we grow up with that we don't even learn the the correct terminology. Yeah, because the vagina is akin to what the penis and and you know sacrum is. Um, Because those are the reproductive aspects. But the vulva is fully for pleasure. There's really no reproductive aspects. And so we're not taught that in sex education because we're not taught about pleasure in this country specifically. So we we miss out on a lot of that understanding, which you can just see from there how that spirals into more and more and more shame and taboo around those subjects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. Well.
1: But oh, yeah. I think it sense
2: everything's so interconnected
1: and you don't like realize it until it's all laid in front of like laid out in front of you.
2: And we're not mm-hmm. given opportunities to do this exploration. You know, because it's not an open conversation with people, people aren't having these kinds of dialogues. And you can be around, you know, groups of friends that you've had for your entire life and people not talk about sex. But sex is such a core part of who we are. Exactly. And when you ask people, who are you? you know, they'll come up with a number of different mm-hmm. things. But when the question I ask is, what is your sexual identity? Mm-hmm. And people fumble. You with did that ask me all that the time. and I was
1: very confused. I remember we spent like a few minutes on it because I was just like, I didn't understand the definition and it like because I kept associating it with sexual orientation mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, how how
0: do you define it then? Like, what would you say? Like, what would? How did you answer? Like, uh, I guess,
2: like, if it's not sexual identity, then
1: I honestly don't remember. She wrote it down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I could tell you I remember every single person who tells me their answer. But that's actually one of the things that I am researching. So, okay. at the core of my heart, I am an anthropologist. Mm-hmm. I love people. I love studying people. And we have all of these identification webs. You know, We have Myers-Briggs. We have horoscopes. We have all of these things that people attach their identity to, but most of the time, those have no aspects of sexuality in them. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually the thing that I am researching, of figuring out what is sexual identity. And to me, I want that to come bottom up. I want that to come from what are people owning about themselves? sexual orientation has an aspect to do about it but just as when I say who, you, who are you when you answer with your job like that is just one facet mm-hmm. of the the aspect mm-hmm. of who you are mm-hmm. and so to me that's what I'm researching and, and trying to understand is what does that mean but I, I have a core sense that we have completely separated what sexual identity is from the rest of our whole you know mm-hmm. when you're meeting someone and they ask about you People don't ask about your orientation. We're getting to the place where people are maybe asking about pronouns, which is connected to sexuality in a sense, but that's not actually the core of what it is. Mm-hmm. And so to what happens when we completely remove that from the rest of who we are is it either becomes someone's full identity, right? People who are leading with this is who I am sexually because they've been so repressed by it and, and are fighting against it. Or people who never want to look at it, don't want to talk about it, don't want to explain it, don't want to think about it. And that's what happens when something is put on the side and not looked at as part of the whole. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really the thing that I'm, I'm trying to research and understand is how do we bring that into being part of the whole. Mm-hmm. And that's what these programs are for is looking at your inner child and the experiences you had from childhood as a way to understand your identity from a sexual lens. Mm-hmm. Looking at your emotions and how your emotions come to be and where they're stored in your body somatically, because that's a lot of what sex is, from a sexual standpoint. We talk about emotions a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? But people never answer with like what sexually they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So those are all aspects to start looking at, and that's part of the, what I'm researching as a whole.
0: Okay. So if you were to If I were to ask you, what's your sexual orientation?
2: My sexual identity. Sexual identity? Mm -hmm. Then what would that be? Um, My sexual identity is very fluid. 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 There's no... I I don't have a box for anything. Like Even when people ask me my pronouns, like, what do I call you? I say, call me whatever you want. I really don't care. Um, Because I think identity typically is is a thing that we use to understand who we are in community and so my identity and the way that i would understand myself changes depending on what community i am in mm. and what mm. i'm gifting to that community and that's why i say it's fluidity it's not fluidity based on how i show up in my gender it's that or in polyamorous relationships or, in polyamorous relationships or anything like that it is my identity is what community am i in right now and how am I gifting to that community in a way that is helpful? And that's gonna change depending on where I am.
1: We, we kind of touched on this a little bit yesterday. We were getting pizza, um, or was it in the living room? But um, <laughs> at some point we talked about it, um, even with like your various partners, you know, you're giving. they give you different things and you give them different parts of yourself. It's not that you're a completely different person or you change who you are to be around them, it's just, as human beings, we are complex, we have many faces, we have many layers to ourselves, and some people vibe better with certain like sides of you than others, and so you have those faces, and I think that relates into this with the community, and, the, and that
2: fluidity as well, is mm-hmm. um, you got different friends for different things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like math, so you're gonna hear me talk about data and equations, but for me, the way I look at it is, My unique formula that works with one person is going to change depending on who that person is. And you can change out person with community, right? It's the same concept is that however this formula is going to work, that means we put different things into it. And so for that, then I look at each person as an individual or each community as its own individual organism and say, what is this need to feel more whole? What does this need to feel more safe? What does this need to feel more secure? And coming into that, looking at everything as what do I give and what is needed for this formula to work is going to make it different depending on who it is, because we're all so very unique.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I can agree with that. Thank you. And so the two programs are the Pleasure Prophecy and Love Lulu, right? And I, I did do the Love Lulu one, but what is the difference between the two?
2: So again, going back to the, the individual formulas of what people need. Um, so so in growing up in school, I'm going to ask both of you this question. Were you a person who liked to do group projects or did you like to do things alone? It would depend on the project. Mm-hmm.
1: If it was a lot of work that I didn't like, I'd prefer to do it in a group because I was bad and would prefer to push it on other people. (laughs) Um, If it was a project I was really interested in and wanted creative control, I did not want to be in a group because I didn't want people having to kind of have input on... What I wanted to do. Huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I sound really selfish, but it's uh, just like the truth. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of in the same boat. I really can't remember how I truly felt like growing up as a kid with with projects, but I do know like going into my adulthood and even middle school, I preferred to do them alone. Yeah, so I would probably identify with alone for my childhood self as well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and and both of you kind of alluded to um, whatever was making you feel safe when yeah. you felt like you got it or like okay, I can do this by myself. Uh, When you felt like you didn't get it, got it, like you needed to be in a, a group of people who could help you do that. And it's the same when it's coming to discovering yourself and your sexuality. Some people feel more comfortable doing that work on their own. Some people feel more comfortable coming into a group. And so again, yeah. it's about that individual equation. And so that's kind of where I start. So the pleasure prophecy is really about prophesizing your own future of pleasure. So that's mm-hmm. an individual program. People do that on their own. There is communication with me, but I'm not as involved in the process. That's saying, okay, your your boundaries right now, what makes you feel safe is for you to do this on your own. You don't want to talk to it about it. About it to a lot of people, you wanna have this journey and have the control and have the pacing and everything be on your own. So it's a self guided program. Okay. The love Lulu, the word Lulu means the best of something.
1: So putting love in
2: front of it is just the best of love. And to me, the best of love. Is really getting to the space where we are wanting to step out of our own bubble, our own safety, and share with the people around us. And so Love Lulu is about being in community as you're going through this process. So
1: you have more um, individual time with. even though it's in a group setting, you you send uh, kind of affirmations every day. Mm -hmm. I got affirmations, meditation videos. It's more interactive with you.
2: Yes, exactly. So I'm more a part of the process and then the community is more a part of the process. So there's group calls and things like that.
0: Oh, wow. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I I was going through a really hard time when I was doing the program um, so I didn't really do the um, group calls or medicinal aspects. Um, And you can expand more on the that afterwards Mm -hmm. but yeah I was just I was going through a lot in my life depression moving um relationship stuff going on it was a lot so but even through that I still managed to do it because you made it in such a way to where it could be adjusted which Mm -hmm. um it's like people I want people to know that if you are doing it in a group don't hold yourself to the standard of what other people in the group are doing because you can still get so much out of it in your own way
2: yeah absolutely at the core of everything that I teach is actually about getting in touch with yourself. So it was really important actually. And thank you so much for sharing that you were having, you know, going through a hard time because getting intimate with ourselves is one of the only things that's going to get us through those types of things, but also knowing where your boundaries are so that you are not pushing yourself too hard is a really important place. And so, you know, you're speaking to not doing the medicinal aspect Um, part of the work that I do, which is related to identity, is working with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And working with psychedelics really helps for us to be able to see things in a different light. Mm -hmm. What it's doing neurochemically in your brain is kind of shaking up all of the neural pathways. So in our brain, the way that it functions is we have different stimulus that creates basically a river. And that river, when that stimulus is continuously pressed on, gets deeper and deeper and deeper so for example when you have one thought i like the color purple the more you think that thought the deeper that that river becomes and the deeper that that river becomes more incorporates into your sense of identity Mm -hmm. and so what psychedelics actually do is they shake that river up and they kind of make it that's why like people get all freaked out when they trip the first time. And they're like, <laughs> exactly. oh my God, I'm being
1: confronted with this reality that I thought was reality but wasn't. But it wasn't. <laughs> it was just. The world is just... crashing down, everything <laughs> is changing.
2: It's just my perspective of what I was seeing. Exactly. And actually, when, when scientists look at brain scans of what's happening in the brain, it most resembles what happens in childhood brains when they're learning new things. Many different places of the brain is lighting up. And so you return to a childlike state, which is why in the programs we go from working with inner child to working with more complex things because you need to build a foundation. But psychedelics help support that kind of uh, work and that framework. And so we, in the Love Lulu program... Uh, are supported by psilocybin microdosing program. Yeah. And the reason that that's really important is because I also think it's important for people to find a safe way to introduce themselves to these kinds of medicines. They're extremely helpful, and we can have really, really integrated experiences with them. But again, it's all about choosing safety and consciousness. Yeah, and it's a,
1: it's a very small amount for those who might like... Be kind of weary of it mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, you actually don't really feel it mm-hmm. until, it, unless you like know mm-hmm. it's. It's kind of just an extra boost of energy. I I wasn't seeing anything because uh, I did try it at first. Um, but as I said, I got uh, I was depressed for outside reasons, um, and I just you know right headspace. I didn't have the the space in me to make room for potential new information about myself because I was already I was. Dealing with my current situation, and um, but it it's definitely nothing extreme. Yeah, it's not like you're just eating a handful of mushrooms every <laughs> day or every three days.
2: Yeah, it's it's really meant to just help the overall brain function stimulation. Yeah, um, we have such a stigma in our culture around these things, which is really coming undone. Um, you know, the the health council in the California Senate just passed to decrim. Um, statewide, so you know it's it's making its way. It's happening, uh-huh. and we won't have to have all of these barriers. It'll be a long time still till all of the taboo comes off. Right, um, but you know, for a very long time, I kept my admiration and love of working with psychedelics, separate from my experimentation and research and writing around sex. And then I realized, well, these are two things that I love so much. Why am I keeping them separate? Mm-hmm. So I decided to combine them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's amazing. Um,
0: Brie also told me, is uh, on a lighter note, she told me about play parties. Mm-hmm. Um, do you integrate those into your work or is that more for like for you? Um, can you go into that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so play parties in, in the function of producing a party with the intention that people will come to play. Uh, is a thing that I, I definitely do. I've thrown many of them. I've ha- basically I kind of go off of the idea that my parties are what you would see in Berlin, where like you can just go <laughs> to the club and like people over there are dancing. People over there are fucking cool. It's like not a big deal. So any party that I throw <laughs> um, is kind of one of those environments where we don't tell you what you can and cannot do. What we say is that. Trust is first and foremost the part of the event that is important. Trust yourself, and when you trust yourself, you're going to trust other people. And therefore, then it can organically grow. Yeah. Now, some people are coming when you, you take, of course, different communities together, right? And some people who know me personally, and they know that that is the permission granted. Then other people who are coming there for maybe a different experience they didn't know – Mutual permission in a space gives people to be exactly who they are. Yeah. So I have thrown parties where it said, you know, you're welcome to play. Let's redefine what play is. And we leave a violin in the corner and see if anybody picks it up. And we oh, make a space over in so the corner sweet. where people could roll around in. And
1: I've never been to Berlin, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that's necessarily yeah. a Berlin <laughs> thing. That's yeah. just like, a you know, a, a, a an event experience that I've created. But is it? all in the same room or like,
1: are there separate rooms that people can go into?
2: I mean, I've done so many at this point. It's included any variation that you could really think of. Um, Sometimes they're separate rooms. Oftentimes it's creating, right? It's getting into people's mindset and saying, what would make people feel safe? So sometimes the separate rooms is what makes people feel safe. And you'll go into those separate rooms and maybe there's three or four people who are playing with each other. Um, So when it's a play party per se, I'm really thinking about the experience of other people. However, Mm -hmm. I never play in those scenarios because that's the place where I'm holding the container of safety. And it's wow. um, responsible
0: for the people that are coming in and and like giving you their trust because mm-hmm. yeah I mean that is vulnerable to like go to another person's space and be like okay well this is where this is where everything is gonna happen
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and I create them from my own fantasy so there is a piece of me that I am already playing with right mm-hmm. like I'm That's seeing really people in these spaces. Because I'm giving creatively, I'm still giving sexual energy, mm-hmm. and that's where the sex is creation. Sexual energy is creative energy; is all the same. You are like the sex
1: queen. <laughs> of this I know class. you're like blowing our minds.
2: We are just, just like giving each other these looks, like oh my god, amazing. <laughs> I love so her. although I'm not technically having sex in the space, I'm having sex in the space because this is my creative energy. Right. However, I am like huge proponent and advocate for having sex with your friends mm-hmm. so then for me on my side I go to what I would really consider orgies like they're my friends that are getting together to have a party and we mostly end up having sex with one another Wow and those are the places of which I'm having sex in in the more traditional, Well, I guess I don't know if I would call that (laughs) traditional, but I'm physically having sex with people. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I realized that is because, so I, when I started going to the play party scene in New York City, there's so many different places to choose from. And parties range from having, you know, 150 people to 40 people. Or, you know, they're in all different That's types still, of settings. That still feels like a lot. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, totally. like picturing, like, 10 to 15. <laughs> <laughs> and smaller ones happen that way. But, but in New York City, you know, we kind of yeah. do everything in more of a big way. And so for <laughs> four years, I went to sex parties and didn't have sex. Wow. And I think it was because there was a lot of elements of, like, I'm a very sensitive person. A lot of energy. It's a lot of things happening. So I would go and get really fucking charged up, and then whoever I went home with, we had the time of our lives. That's really. But cool. I, I needed to have the more like uh, kind like of your safe foreplay. space. Yeah, yeah, I was about to
0: say like you're edging hard.
2: But I also really loved those environments because the thing that happens at a sex party is. People are more forthright about their offering, right? When you go to a bar and someone's chatting you at the bar, it's like this whole dance, right? Yeah. Do they want to talk to me because they want to talk to me, or are they just trying to get in my pants yeah. type of thing? That's, that's like happening. all dating life, though. Exactly. And there's no
0: directness about your needs and wants with sex. To go back to what you were saying previously, yeah, yeah,
2: precisely. And so that's why I loved going to sex parties because if someone was interested, they would actually just make the offer. Do mm-hmm. you want to have? X, Y, Z, you know, and if it was a no for me, it was a no. And then we could either actually have a real ass conversation or the person just said, thank you for your boundary and walked away. And there wasn't all of this, like, is it, is it not what's going on here? And because of that, because people are so authentic and forthright, I made such wonderful friends and had some of the most amazing conversations that I've ever experienced because people are being... Honest mm-hmm. yeah. about their intentions. Mm-hmm. And so, even though I didn't play at these play parties, I went to one almost every weekend, every other weekend, right. because it was the environment mm-hmm. I preferred to mm-hmm. be in. Mm-hmm. And being in that space and then bringing it out and like taking that kind of intention and forthrightness to the bar helps me have a better understanding of like what is possible and what isn't possible. Totally. And so, that was my experience for four years. And then I met a group of friends who didn't have all of the boxes around like what does it mean to have sex with a friend like will it fuck up a relationship will it not they like totally blew all of those ideas out of the water and I realized that actually having sex with your friends is one of the most safe places that you can be in to explore yourself to right. ask for the things that Aww, you want it's because so sweet. <laughs> There's just a lot of respect
0: there because you already have so much love and respect for one another already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that these play parties that you're putting together and creating all these safe environments, like, I think we need more of that just to... Because we can talk about sex as much as we want, but I don't think that the destigmatization, these stig, de, <laughs> uh, you know what we're I know. saying. <laughs> sex is going to be normalized until people literally just have more of it and mm-hmm. more casual sex. And, and just have like, those
1: experiences yeah. because it's, it's honestly like psychedelics in a way. It's like you have this kind of idea of what it should be. You could talk about what you might feel when you're on it or like, mm-hmm. Whatever, but it's not, it's not gonna be what it is until it is happening. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just banging on my notebook.
0: <laughs> Do you feel
1: that a lot
0: of the, the like cabooness around sex just comes from judgment that people place on other people because they're having sex? It's so interesting because it's, where is that all coming from? Like we could talk, our friends can talk to us about sex all the time and we're gonna support them. But if we hear about like a person we kind of know having like a lot of sex, are we judging them? We shouldn't be. But is that happening in like the normal I mind find myself human? doing
1: that sometimes with yeah. girls, like or even guys, but a lot of the times it's with girls because we are taught to compare ourselves to one another. Yeah. But um and I've felt really bad about it. Like I've been like like for example, it, I've <laughs> This is a weird one, but if I were thinking of, like, people I'd want to have threesomes with, things like that, and I, like, thought about, like, this one girl one time, and I was just like, no, I know she has sex with so many people, and, like, I do not trust my her taste in the people that she has sex with. Wow. Like, this was my thought process. I felt really guilty about it afterwards, because I recognized that I also have sex with, like, a lot of people, and she doesn't know where I've been. And, like, just assuming in this, like, sense because I'm probably feeling insecure it's like thinking that she's not safe and she's not smart enough to take care of herself or not giving her that trust to like that she's okay mm-hmm. you know but I found myself doing that and having those judgments and I think they're kind of ingrained in us by society for a while because you know it's a lot of what we do is learn behavior and um,
2: but you I caught myself thankfully and I felt really <laughs> bad and I, I was like really thankful that I didn't yeah. <laughs> say yeah. anything. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that that's really important because that's where all judgment comes from. It's when we judge ourselves and then we just turn it outward. Mm -hmm. And most people don't have that internal processing. So you walking yourself through that and realizing like, oh, it's because I have been slut shamed. And I've been told that I'm a slut because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And pain not transformed is transferred. So we just do it to the next person. Wow. And yeah. I just know. love the way you speak. Aw, thank can you. Can just like <laughs> talk to me at night when I'm getting ready for bed
1: and yes. falling into my dreams? Yes, state. I can. I Use all that. your fancy words and alliteration.
2: <laughs> I love it.
0: Read <laughs> me in the dictionary.
2: <laughs> yes, I can even bring this very phallic looking mic to talk into. That would be pleasurable for you. But it's, it's, I think, one of the most important concepts that we don't understand. Like, anytime we are pointing a finger, it is because we are unwilling to look at that thing it's in like ourselves. It's like
1: when you point a finger, there, what is it, four, three? Three, three pointing, pointing back <laughs> at you, exactly. <laughs> I how many fingers I
2: had there. <laughs> I guess you could also include your thumb. But, but, it's, but it's pointing up, other. that yes. one's at God. <laughs> yeah. um, and that, I think that that's where it's, it comes from. And it takes a really courageous person. It takes a big act of courage. To take a step back and say, "Oh wow, I'm I'm saying this about another person. Where am I actually saying this about myself?" Mm-hmm. Because I I was totally slut shamed growing up, and it's part of the reason I picked smutty. Um, you know, the first part is smut, which is porn, and then adding the ty on it is like my my like nod to my life growing up, where Thank I was you. yeah constantly Thank you. being called a slut, but taking it back and being like, I'm not gonna let this. Be something that I do to other people or, or anyone else in my life. Um, because I've definitely had those moments as well of like getting in that spiral of thinking about, you know, who is this person? Where have they been? You know, when I've gone through, um, you know, having STIs, the first thing that kind of comes up in your mind is like, who did I get this from? And, mm-hmm. and where who did that gave come it to from? Them? And like, that's not a helpful thought process. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just trying to put off this blaming and it's like no one needs to be... in that
1: situation
2: well also but there's no blame around an sti no right yeah, it's you
1: like you can't blame so- like
0: yeah and
2: yeah. you can't even blame yourself when you get a cold are you walking around being yeah. like oh who gave this to me who did this mm-hmm. i mean it's what's interesting with what's happened this last year is like that kind of finger has been pointed with this new illness um but it's not helpful it is not a helpful thing to be doing, to mm-hmm. be trying to follow a line. It, that is just slut-shaming in a different form. Yeah, because we don't want to feel that shame on ourselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When there's really no shame to be had. So I mm-hmm. think with sex, it's it's even more prominent because we don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. And you're totally right that the the experience of these things are really the only thing that's gonna make a huge difference. Right. Yeah. And I totally had one of those scenarios. Um, I had a partner where where the porn cinema started was I had a partner. We had gone oh, to Montreal. A porn cinema? Yes. Oh, okay, wait, this is what, what you is were a talking porn about at
0: Burning Man that no. you guys all got together.
2: It's so is that what it's called? Well so um, like a- my my event production company, The Violet is yes. okay. um, a pop-up porn cinema. And so this idea actually came to me after I had visited Montreal with a partner and some of his friends. And he was the type of partner who loved to surprise me with things. He was just really good at doing that. However, sex in our lives was a really shameful aspect. He was the best sex, hands down, that I had ever had in my life. But he never wanted me to tell anyone about it. I couldn't talk to my friends. I couldn't share any stories. And that made me feel really uncomfortable. But we had that agreement with ourselves. And so I honored his boundaries. But we went to Montreal one time with a group of his friends. And he surprised me by taking me to the porn cinema there because he knew that I would like it. And, you know, we had this really incredible experience. So just a theater. That shows porn. porn. Okay. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And we ended up having sex in the theater. It was one of the most amazing orgasms that I had ever had. And when we left the theater, we were both raving about this experience because we were in a space where other people were also having sex. There was no shame about it. No one was batting an eye. And neither of us had been in an experience like that. And coming out of it, like, I could tell how much he had changed. We went to the apartment to be back with his friends. And his friends were like, you two are glowing. What the fuck did you just go do? And he told them what we had done. And I was so so flabbergasted. I could not believe <laughs> that he was sharing, and I, and Aww, just the rest of the so weekend, for the both
1: of you. right?
2: The rest of the weekend, we kept talking about how amazing that experience was. Why didn't this exist in New York? Like, why weren't more people doing this? And then, about six months later, Me Too hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm a trauma survivor of rape, and I had just kind of a few months before really started to dig into what that meant and how I felt and, and working through those things. And then when Me Too hit, I was like, holy shit, this is not just an experience that I have had. Many, 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 many people have had this experience. Yeah. But the conversation really was coming from a lot of anger and hurt, which was understandable totally understandable. But I knew that I needed to get involved and like the politics just didn't feel right to me. That's that's not who I am. And you know, some of the ways that activism was kind of happening really wasn't who I was. And I realized that I wanted to change the narrative by helping people to have fun like I had by going into these experiences and just having them completely shattered when you didn't know that that could happen and having more freedom. And watching my partner have more freedom. And so one day I was literally having a shower. Like, you know, they say, like, your best ideas come to you in the shower. Like, Mm -hmm. this really happened to me. I was having a shower and I was like, you know, here's what I would change to make this a little bit more inclusive. And this is what I would change to make it a little bit more, you know, sex positive. And this is what I would change to do this. And I was just like, holy shit, I should do this. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason that I cannot do this into the world and and help invite people to feel safe to have these experiences. And because at the end of the day, what made my partner feel safe to do it was he was doing it because he knew that I would like it, right? Mm -hmm. So I was at that center point of him going out of his comfort zone to do a thing. And I just kind of knew that like I could make an environment for people to experience that based off my sense of safety and my comfort, mm-hmm. as a gift to other people.
0: So now you are doing porn cinemas, or does this a link back to the sex parties? Or both?
2: Both, it's okay. all, right? Yeah. We, we're women, <laughs> we wear mini hats. Um, <laughs> Do it so, <laughs> it started the with, with the porn cinema, and I traveled around to different places, and had events, and gathered people into rooms, And then I joined a collective of other women who were also kind of in this same space of creating these wonderful events where people could experience outside of themselves. And we really we traveled the world. We went to London. We went to different places hosting these events Um, and then COVID hit Mm -hmm. and we went online and it was actually really good experience to go online and try and figure out a lot of these things. And I got really revved up about the future of events where I realized there is no longer going to be a separation of live and virtual. Yeah. Like event places. It makes it more accessible. Exactly. And a global audience. Exactly. Like No one will want to refuse a global audience from here on out. And oh, yeah. so new event venues that are being built in production will need to have that ability to infuse virtual production with live production. And if you're not, you're sorely missing out on a part of the experience. And sex with like the the come up of VR porn and all of these things can really infuse that in a different way. And so we went online and we, we realized that One of the big reasons we were doing this live, right, is because people are used to watching porn on their computers. Mm -hmm. So it didn't quite feel the same. Um, And because of that, we decided to kind of take a break. And that's where these programs came in for me. Um, And that's where the coaching came in for me. Because when I wasn't doing the events anymore, people came to me and said, can you work with me one-on-one? Because what really happened during COVID is people went inside. They Mm -hmm. dove Deep. They went all the way into who am I? What am I doing here? What the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. No and other thing to do. <laughs> of course, time alone, man. Exactly. It's like, it's
1: like the universe gave us a timeout.
2: We <laughs> <You did> it. <laughs> They're like, okay, yeah, sit you, alone you for five, five alone. minutes, or actually, like an entire and year see and a half. what you do, right? And so, some people started <laughs> masturbating, and some people picked up toys to mm-hmm. to create with, and some people started doing artistic things. But guess where all that comes from? Your sacral energy. And so this space around sexuality and how we connect with one another is so ripe to have a change in our society, is so ripe for us to do something different with how we connect with each other. And a really big space where we can say we're no longer doing and participating in shame and rape culture and, and slut shaming and taboo because we can leave this space of being by ourselves and decide how we are going to connect with each other. Yeah. And so um, I'm really excited to have a porn cinema eventually. I know Ooh, it's still in the will future. We will for sure
1: be there. <laughs> we yeah. will be at the grand opening. Um, Please support let us that. know.
0: Yeah. It <laughs> honestly sounds like when everyone gets their COVID vaccine, they need to also get, like, a ticket to, like, a sex party mm-hmm. and just, just uh, relax sh- a little
1: bit. Share <laughs> all those fluids. Like, we've been keeping our fluids to ourselves for way too long, guys. <laughs> like, no, I'm really excited. That's, like, a big step. I mean, I even, I totally asked Jess yesterday if she's, can, she could watch porn with me this weekend because it's, like, for research for, like, a, a, an episode that we're going to be doing. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, like, a very intimate thing and I... I live with this person and we're (laughs) friends. And I'm just like, do you want to do this thing that might be really
2: weird for us, but we kind of should do it because... We need to do it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, wait till you're sitting in a cafe doing your job and then realize that there's, like, three people who are looking at you being like, are you watching porn in a cafe? And I'm like, oh, really? yeah. this is I my job. I like, thought about that, yeah. <laughs> do you like it? Do you watch <laughs> yeah. it? Do you need something? Or, or the point where your mother sends you porn because she knows what you do and really? she's seen something so that cool she wants that to give that. you, you know, wow. inspiration or talk to you about. In the, in the beginning, it was weird. And then I realized... Here's your edge, Aisha. You're going to walk up to it and walk past it, you know, about talking about sex with your parents. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I had one of those moments where I got to grow. Mm-hmm. And so it's constantly learning. I mean, it is never ending because creation energy is always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's the most, in my opinion, I don't, <laughs> the most fascinating I don't fascinating want to watch my mom's
1: porn. She has very different taste in people than I do. <laughs>
2: you, you might think that, my dear, but you literally came from her womb. I know. I know, but we always, but we talk about sex a lot. We mm-hmm. do. Um,
1: we're just very different in certain yeah. ways, but we're still very accepting of one another's differences. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. We're going to have a Mother's Day episode. <laughs> yeah, We're there gonna should get be a into different
0: into podcast, yeah, yeah, there's there's there. a podcast. i
1: going <laughs> to talk about family um, and sex. Oh my gosh. Okay. But, wow, that's so amazing and incredible that you've created so many different types of containers for people. Mm-hmm. I really am thankful for that because as I was telling you yesterday, I got all mushy and I was telling Aisha that like she has inspired me a lot and influenced me a lot mm-hmm. in um how I've gotten to where I am now, whether that was, like, figuring out that I wanted to be poly, whether I didn't want to be poly and it was me just wanting to be by myself and find that monogamous relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, emotionally speaking. um, Obviously, I still like to get sex from other people and not just my vibrator. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's... So thank you. Thank you for that. I've genuinely learned a lot. I feel like there's times where, you know, we we sign up for these things that people consider like self-help, right? Mm -hmm. And these programs and we read these books and there's every which way about things. And some of them just don't stick, but yours genuinely stuck with me. And I've applied a lot of what you've taught me to my relationships and to how I view and how I view myself and my sexuality and Mm -hmm. kind of even like with this podcast to be able, to want to normalize it and mm-hmm. to know that these there's all these different outlets and different um ways to go about it like I wouldn't know that if it weren't for people like you in my life mm. like it, it, and we need to I that's why like what me and Jess I think want to do with this is like kind of provide that for other people as well and show them that they like there's plenty of safe spaces to go if you want to be weird or what people mm-hmm. what people might think is weird or yeah. what you're not comfortable with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely like just beginning to discover all of these new spaces in which I can discover myself. So yeah, I mean, just hearing you speak about it, like, so about sex in general and like about relationships and like how to find yourself and your uh, identity and what all the things. It's um, very empowering and it makes like, it definitely makes me want to explore myself more. Uh, But yeah, I I never really had a community to do that. Just like, yeah, talking about sex was not a thing with my family. Um, And I think a lot of it was super repressed when I was young. Um, So... I don't know. I'm looking forward to our conversations more in the future. And like, bottom line is, so I would love to try your program. Um, but I definitely feel like I need that that time with with you to just like talk about it. Um, what would you recommend? Should I do the Pleasure Prophecy or the um, like Lulu?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful for where you both are, and thank you, Bree, for that reflection. It's just that, like, to me, this is what we are all doing here is to like have this discovery. There's like nothing more fun in our lives. And also thank you for creating this and putting it out into the world. People can be on their journey and follow in step with you all and feel like they are not alone in their journey because you two are having the courage to put this out there and it's really important. It's so important. Mm-hmm. And I think people think that they cannot individually Make that difference, Mm -hmm. and they can. And so, Mm -hmm. thank you both for really believing that. Thank you. I Um, mean, it's a process. It's learning.
1: Like we, we definitely are not experts on anything. mm -hmm. Um, this is learning. We're learning so
2: much. There's no such thing as as an expert. No. Anybody comes to you being like, "I know all the things." Go as fast as you can in the other direction. (laughs) 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 I am constantly, constantly learning, and yeah, I mean, always when you are taking a step. To trust another person in the discovery of yourself, you being comfortable with that person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether this is coming to work with me or any other coach or a therapist or whoever mm-hmm. you're kind of going about, uh, you know, t- trusting them is have individual conversations. Mm-hmm. Always ask, you know, what is the difference between this and this and this? And how, what is your process? And mm-hmm. why are you doing this? Understanding someone's why why is someone a therapist why is someone a coach like why are they doing this work because the why should really resonate with you mm-hmm. you get really interesting answers exactly yeah. and and sometimes they're not even asked those things mm-hmm. and so it gives them the opportunity to show you that they are also human mm-hmm. um, so connecting with whoever you're you're kind of saying oh this person is going to lead me for whatever amount of time into this discovery mm-hmm. is having that trust a shaman I think that that gets left out a lot as people are not questioning shamans. You need to question what's happening (laughs) in that space, right? (laughs) Ask what's going on. You know, people are going into these ceremonies where the same thing is happening, an awakening that is part of a medicine journey, awakening that's part of your sexuality, going into college, you know, all of these things. You should question why this person is doing it and what they're there to do. Um, So having individual conversations and understanding those things. Two is, does the program or whatever you're looking into resonate with you? What's your intention for doing this work? What is the intention that you want to get out of doing this work? And how much are you willing to commit to yourself? That's another thing that the person who is on the other side should give you an indication of. Like, what does committing look like here? Mm -hmm. And it will look different ways, Um, you know, every energy that we put into something is the way that we commit. So money is one of those ways, understanding what your level is of commitment in terms of money is and knowing that your commitment and money is your investment in yourself. Um, your commitment of time, people do different things. You know, some people spend an hour together a week in my group coaching program. I ask that you spend 30 minutes with yourself each day and then an hour and a half with the group. So understanding what you're committing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, what's the modalities that are being used? Uh, if you're going into a medicine journey, what types of medicines? So understanding your commitment. That's a really important piece that I think people don't think about. Um, you know, when you're going to get a degree in school and you're spending four years, what are you deciding? It's four years of your time. It's X amount of money. Um, so understanding that those aspects. But yeah, I would definitely say having the one-on-one comfortability, but asking truthful, honest questions. To me, I think that people really get into this space where they trust people who aren't actually figuring it out for themselves. Mm. And that's why I said, if anybody tells you that they're the expert in this area, run in the other direction.
0: They're not working anymore on themselves. Yes,
2: and it's a constant process, a constant process. I learn from my clients all the time. So, All the time. So for
1: that individual like kind of working with you and talking with you one-on-one, it would be more of the, the love Lulu uh, because of the intentional time in the morning and the personalized messages and the constant contact through email?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really depends. So I, I do one-on-one coaching where I actually personalize – what the journey is based on what the person is coming to me for. And that's outside oh. of these two programs. Yes, that's outside of the program. Okay, so maybe you'd want to try that and then give mm-hmm. kind of updates. Mm-hmm. That, that would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just give kind of updates as Jessica goes
1: along with this.
2: Mm-hmm. Or you do one of the programs. So again, it's about your intention. If your intention is, I don't have a community around this mm-hmm. and I want to grow a community, then going into a group coaching program gives you that. If your intention is, I want to work by myself and I, I actually don't want anyone, not even really me, to be a part of that, then the self guided program would be for you. Now, some people come to me and they have a specific intention. Sometimes that intention is, I want a long term relationship. And so what we do is we figure out how can we break that down into steps? Because what I'm here to do as a coach is give you as many tools as I have in my toolbox. For you to get to the place that you want to go. To me, working with coach coaches, you have a, a specific container in which you're trying to get to the, a place. You set an intention, you get there, and once that thing is hit, you're no longer working together. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want clients forever. I am not a therapist. It's like, I want you to get to where you wanna yeah, go. Yeah, that's how you feel... know you're doing a good job at your yeah. job. Exactly. And, and to where they're going. And feel good with where you are. And if you wanna come back to me with a different thing, so I just started a program where um, I'm going to work with someone, they're feeling really shy, and so what I'm going to do is help them get to a place where they, they go to a bar and ask out one person and feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Then when they get into that flow, the second phase of us working together is going to be what do you do when you get in that relationship and how do you formulate a very strong, secure bond? Mm-hmm. So we can work together in multiple fashions and you can do that with a coach where you're saying, okay, first, my goal is, you know, to, to be able to, find an orgasm now my next goal is how do I learn to squirt now my next goal is I'm gonna have to hit you up again I (laughs) I want help with orgasming Uh, that'll be a whole other thing to talk about as well but like
1: yeah I'll hit you up yeah do you
0: have a specific intention Jess yeah I just want to be more comfortable with sex um, and feel more comfortable with exploring different ways of having sex with people that I'm meeting now not being in a monogamous relationship and just generally like having fun during sex (laughs) yeah like not just kind of like doing the routine just like literally more um, just like different types and just comfort because I think a lot of what holds me back from enjoying sex to its fullest potential is not feeling comfortable exploring like different poses different like, forms of touch, different forms of foreplay, like, I don't know, what I can do for my partner, what, like, my partner's doing for me, and how I can communicate that I want it done differently. Like, there's a lot of roadblocks that I have up that I want to take down.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that would so. go under the sexual awakening umbrella, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost anything and everything has a sexual component to it. So it's like people come to me and they're like, oh, I'm feeling really stuck at my job. Is there something, and yes, because sexual energy is creative energy. So if you you have, you can really use sex as a healing modality for many things. And when you're, you come to me and you say, oh, I would like to feel more comfortable having sex, when you get more comfortable having sex, you can only imagine how that flowers into the other parts of your life and oh. feeling comfortable everywhere else and
0: confident. Yeah, like, and absolutely. When you're comfortable showing like <laughs> your best and most raunchiest side of yourself, <laughs> it's like that's gonna that's gonna go into your everyday life. And you're yeah. just gonna feel comfortable yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, like we were talking about it yesterday. Even with like like for example, I have a, a thing with sex being messy. Mm-hmm and like getting dirty and stuff like that and it's like you were like sex is messy it's dirty like you clearly are like finding these things because of like I, you know it's like tied into specific thoughts or ideas or previous experiences I might have had and mm-hmm. it's like yeah absolutely. I think it can manifest in so many different ways right like mm-hmm. from not wanting
2: to try different things to feeling grossed out by something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely and the way we do one thing is the way we do everything It's so. I I, I won't let Jess drink out of my drinks. Yeah. Yeah, So you know, if that's a thing that you feel comfortable with and is a line that you want to draw, that's great. But it's about feeling comfortable with it. You know, Mm -hmm. there are many people who have kinks that they feel ashamed about, and imagine being able to come to someone and be really open in that space and not feel ashamed about it. You don't have to go around telling everyone that you're into golden showers, but if you are good with yourself in that space in a sexual context, feeling comfortable in other places is like going to be face, really happy. I wish you guys it, could you see know? our
1: faces right now. I did not know what golden shower was. So oh. I was like,
0: oh, literally, who wouldn't love a golden tub? Like, that sounds great. I, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember just at watch Street Fair, yeah, I yeah. watched some guy I came into another guy's mouth. Yeah, Dude, watching Jess's face, like, I wish you guys could have seen it. It looked like she was having, like, this epiphany, but then just went into, like, disgust. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: whatever clothes you brought
1: yeah, yeah, like, can't yeah, I yum, but Thank also no, I imagine, love that
2: she says that. imagine being so comfortable with yourself that even hearing that mm-hmm. someone thinks that that is gross mm-hmm. doesn't move your needle at all. Mm-hmm. And like that is the type of comfort that I aspire to mm-hmm. give into this world mm-hmm. um, because that's what I want. I want for no one to feel upset if someone thinks the thing that they are doing is gross, mm-hmm. you know? And for the other person to not feel it's gross. It's like both sides actually have to own that equation for Mm -hmm. it to dissipate. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important.
0: I think that's a lovely note to start wrapping up on.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, the dogs are going insane. (laughs) They want us to end.
0: Our house pups are getting a little
1: They're just going to be part of the podcast from now on. Um, (laughs) But thank you so much, Aisha, for like, Shar we'll definitely want to have you on again. And <laughs> oh, honestly, yeah. if anyone has um, questions for Smuddy, please like let us know so we can talk about it on future episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us your um, handles to reach you at? Um, yeah so the
2: so the easiest one to get me is at um, Smuddy Hussein on Instagram. Okay. Although I do not really promote the Facebook uh, universe, um, it is the is the one that I share kind of most readily on. Um, otherwise, fucking email me. I love a good email. So you can get me at smuttyhussein at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, I, I love a good email. I love actually hearing what people have to say. And not to say that people don't do that on social media, but they bring a different version of themselves. Yeah, it's, so, it's a separate totally.
1: container. Exactly. Like it's more yeah. personal, it's quieter. Yeah. So oh.
2: send me an email, tell me who you actually are, and let's have an actual and what's chat. What's your website? Website is SmuttyHussein.com. Yeah, and that's where you can find her um,
1: book, Seasons of Blood, and also li- links, right, to Love Lulu and Pleasure Prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, this was like, absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me on. We learned so much, and we want to keep doing this with this show and having amazing guests like you It's really what inspires us to keep,
2: like, putting out things yeah. so mm-hmm. thank you keep doing this keep using your sexual energy to create a thing that makes more love in this world Aww. i super appreciate you both Sweet. Appreciate
1: you. <laughs> thanks guys
2: well thank you for being here uh remember go and
0: get your covid vaccine and head over to a sex party once you're fully vaccinated and <laughs> wax vax,
1: your... and ready to i guess it doesn't rhyme but fuck <laughs> 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 thanks guys